Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure, and I am so excited to have Marla Taviano on the show today. And she reads and writes for a living and wears her heart on her T-shirt. And she's the author of two books of unconventional poetry. These books are called Unbelieve and Jaded. And she has four freaking awesome kids in Columbia, South Carolina. And I absolutely love the bio that she sent me. It's so, so passionate. Um, and she's here today to talk about her deconstruction journey and how these poetry books really dig into deconstruction. And I was thankfully able to look over the copy you sent me last night to scan over it and read some things. I just, I love it. It's so blunt and so forward. And I'm excited um, to talk about your latest book. But I think it is important to get into the personal story. So at what age did you get involved with religion and what was that background and what was that experience like for you? Well, first of all, thank you, Andrew, for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Um, what age did my religious indoctrination start? Well, yeah. I would say from the womb, my mom mm. talks about how she prayed for me and my future spouse ever since she knew she was pregnant with me um and so i for a long time i did not tell the true story of my um salvation because it was embarrassing to me because i accepted mm -hmm. jesus into my heart when i was three years old and mm -hmm. i i figured that if i told people that they would never believe me because what is a three-year-old know about anything mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and now looking back i'm like oh yeah what does a three-year-old know <laughs> what does a three-year-old know about eternal damnation um not a lot but i did i mean i i think i remember it um mm. maybe i do maybe i don't or maybe i remember the subsequent times like after that that i i got saved again and again and mm. again <laughs> uh, but from a very young age i was i mean i was all in and i grew up in a home, it was conservative, Christian, evangelical. Um, I hesitate to use the word fundamentalist, but I probably need to. Um, where the, the difference comes in, when I, I know some about your background, and a lot of people that I've met that um, were in cults, fundamentalist cults, mm. or just really strict religion, um, mine did not feel like that. Um, mm. I don't have stories 
of my parents being abusive in any way. They were so kind, so loving, so generous, open-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was homeschooled, uh, but not my whole life. I, I went to a Christian school for preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. And my homeschooling journey did not start because my parents didn't want me in the world. It happened because I learned to read when I was four soon after I got saved. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. by the time I got into preschool and kindergarten and first grade, I was bored to tears because I, I had been reading forever and we're learning these letters one at a time. And so the teacher suggested that I skip ahead to second grade, which I was scared to do. So I didn't do. And then my mom heard about homeschooling and all this stuff happened. So I was homeschooled just from second, third, fourth, and fifth grade, and then went to a public school, um, sixth through 12th grade. And um, what ha- what did happen though, is we lived in a pretty, um, I-, I don't know, in- an area where I was gonna go from my small elementary school to a really big junior high. And I think then my parents were a little bit afraid of all that mm-hmm. influence. So we ended up moving back to their hometown, which is about 3000 people. Um, looking back now, I realize very sheltered, very white, very Christian. Um, and so my, my school that I went to from, oh no, I was only homeschooled second, third and fourth, I guess I went to school in fifth grade. And then my new school in this small town, sixth through 12th grade, most of my teachers were Christians. It really didn't feel like a a public school. And then went to a Christian college, Cedarville college. Another thing that I don't usually admit that since you went to Bob Jones, I'll admit that I went to Cedarville. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Now Cedarville University, but it was Cedarville College at the time. I finished. Um, I finished at Cedarville in three years. I graduated early, tested out of some things, so I got that year back that I could have skipped before and didn't uh-huh. <laughs> back yeah. in second grade. Um, and that whole entire time, I mean, I was just on fire for Jesus. Read my Bible mm. through. Um, all these people talk about how they started their Bible reading, like read the Bible in a year, and they quit. In Leviticus or whatever, I didn't quit. Like I went yeah. through maybe when I was yeah. 10, uh, I don't know how many times I didn't keep track. But so now that I have quote unquote deconstructed, anytime someone comes to me and says, well, you probably weren't really a Christian in the first place. I'm like, uh, um, here's some receipts for you. I have 62 <laughs> journals between me and God and how much I um, uh-huh. am into this Christian thing. I've written four books before these two that we're going to talk about four mm-hmm. books on how to be a good Christian wife and mom. Oh. Um, and yeah, my, um, my list of ministries and things I've been involved in, I was a Christian clown at the age of eight. <laughs> and there's a, there's a poem in my new book called team Marla or team Paul. And where Paul lists all his things that he has done, like he was circumcised the tribe of Benjamin, this and that, and that, and that just to show like his credentials. Well, I then list all of my credentials, which outnumber Paul's <laughs> just <laughs> to say, you know what? You you can't say that to me. No one can say to me that I was not all mm. in, that I was not a zealous Christian. I absolutely was. So that's my past in a nutshell. And you can go ahead and ask me whatever you want. We, we can take this in any direction. <laughs> the clown direction. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Um, At first, I want to mention that this is a common response people get online, especially Christians saying that to people who left 
depth of faith. Oh, well, you weren't a real Christian or, oh no, you weren't really saved, you know, in air quotes. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) It's so invalidating. And, and really like it says more about them because they're, they're trying to deal with that cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Because I know people have different religious beliefs, but like, it kind of sounds like from that ba- that evangelical background and even from the background I was in I was taught that once you're a Christian you're always a Christian and you cannot leave the faith if it's true mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what script if there's any scripture that's based on if there is I don't care anyways but... <laughs> <laughs> me neither <laughs> yeah I'm like I don't Who care <laughs> yeah I love it <laughs> but and it's interesting how you talk about like the receipts you have because in the environment it's like you always have to prove yourself mm-hmm. that you are worthy that you are enough that you you do the things and uh, I was also very heavily involved growing up like you know grow I was in a this thing it was a bible club in my church it was called master's club and i got all the badges in the book i got all the awards all the things <laughs> constantly working and i relate to what you're talking about journaling because the teen program i was in at the church uh, that was born into they would always have a program where it was really weird looking back but you would try to rack up all these points for mm-hmm. doing these in air quotes spiritual <laughs> things and you would yeah. get rewarded at the end of the program, just all these different checklists and things to do. And, you know, when you spend so much of your life in that and you have people that come to you after, you know, you've left it, you've moved on, you've grown as a person and they invalidate that. It is so, so frustrating. But again, it says more about them and I usually it's interesting because um I honestly don't engage with those people yeah. online. I just I learn not to. And I guess what I want to say too is that I don't think like there's no such thing <laughs> as like a real or you know what I mean? Like I think, you know, if people want to believe that, that's fine. I, you know, I see the benefit that religion can have for people. It can give mm-hmm. them a sense of certainty and purpose. Yeah. It can give them a social group. And it's, you know, looking back as I deconstructed, it's very emotional and, you know, psychological things that are yeah. going on. And people so desperately want it to be real and want it to be the only right way because, you know, this is the fear of death and just all that stuff. But yeah as we dig into your journey um i'm curious about the clown stuff <laughs> like i've never heard of like the clown ministry like i i've heard of like the puppet ministry or music or mm-hmm. different other things but like the clown ministry so tell me more about how you got involved with that oh it's very similar to all of those just a little bit creepier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like Ooh. i i okay i'm going to have to look this is a a new like not a new thing for me, but remembering about being a clown is, is fairly new for me. Like it just uh-huh. happened the last couple of years that I even remembered that I was a clown. So all I, I rem- 
I don't remember how it happened. There was just a group of us kids. And in my mind, I thought I was older. And then my mom sent me a photo. It was from 1983, it said on the photo. Uh -huh. And I'm born in 75. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm eight or yeah. seven. I don't know. Uh -huh. And um, I do remember that some of my friends were um, cooler clowns than me. I was an elf. So my, mm. my thing is like elf ears, elf hat, little green elf costume, big shoes yeah. that were hard to get on <laughs> that had the pointy toes. Um, but we would just do this. There was a, a, a guy who was the pastor's brother and he was a clown and he was kind of in charge of this clown ministry. And we would just do these skits. I barely remember except just going down the aisle of the church and then going up in front and doing something. And I just know that the clowns <laughs> are kind of creepy. So it's a weird flex. Yeah. Like it's a weird thing to do mm -hmm. when that's kind of scary, but it was just last year at Goodwill. I go to thrift stores a lot to find books and I mm -hmm. found this book for a dollar and it's called, I believe um, just called clown ministry. And I haven't read it yet, but what it caught my eye because I thought, Oh wow. So this wasn't just my church. This is a big thing. And I put it yeah. on social media last year. And again, recently, um, when I was sharing my poem where I, I asked Paul, um, Paul, I see that you wrote these letters to these house churches and all this, but have you been a Christian clown? I didn't think so. <laughs> and I was yes. shocked by all of the people that chimed in. I was a clown. I was a Christian clown. I was a Christian clown. Two of my friends went to Christian clown school. And I don't really know uh, how it was like a week uh, long or a year or what, yeah. but People are like, I did a puppet ministry, mime ministry. They're talking about human videos, which I had no idea what they were talking about. Huh. And we're realizing how many of us did these weird, creepy things <laughs> to try to reach people for Jesus. I mean, <laughs> talk about, I, I don't know. I just, so yeah, that clown minister is a very small part of my life. But it's one of those things that uh -huh. I'm just so glad it happened. Looking back, I I don't feel like I have a lot of trauma. Like so many, so many people had so much mm -hmm. more trauma than I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm able to look back and <laughs> and laugh at some things, use them in in my new books that I write. Um, commiserate with other people and as mm -hmm. i'm digging deeper yes there is some trauma there is some healing uh -huh. that needs to happen there's some things that happened more recently to me uh -huh. there are things that happen yeah. in churches um mm -hmm. but things like the christian clown ministry kind of yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> had a little bit of lightheartedness <laughs> yeah uh -huh. to the whole thing because we can joke about it and, and just think <laughs> to ourselves what what were we smoking? Like what, what, what was going on that we thought this was a great idea? I mean, we mm. had these five day clubs. This is where I actually got quote unquote saved. Um, mm. This, the, the guy that did the clown ministry would go around and do these five day clubs in neighborhoods. And so it was kind of like Bible school comes to mm. your backyard, like okay. vacation Bible school. You would just invite people I and mean, we'd had this one in our backyard there were puppets there were like, games there were stories and songs and the the whole idea was to proselytize the, yeah. all the kids in your neighborhood my dad drove a church bus which i i don't even know it seemed so normal to me growing mm -hmm. up that he would drive around and pick up kids in the neighborhood and bring them to church um but I don't know a whole lot of churches that have mm -hmm. buses that go around and do that. So yeah, that's, that's the clown thing. I forget your question. I do that a lot. I forget the question because 
I just keep talking about that. But yeah, so that's not a huge part of my story. It's just uh -huh. a funny part. No, and I, I would, it's all good. I was just, I was honestly just so curious because I, I haven't heard of the clown ministry <laughs> at oh, all. So you're missing out, Andrew. It's totally missing out. <laughs> yeah. So there's something you said that I want to kind of go back to a little bit. And it was about how you felt like, you know, you didn't really experience trauma in that environment, but you still left. And what I want you to dig into is I feel like there are people who are in these still toxic environments, but feel like, oh, well, I haven't experienced this kind of harm. So I, who am I to leave? So I feel like sadly, some people feel like they have to put themselves through shit in these environments to actually leave. Yeah. So what can you say to help validate people and like in your own experience to be like, it's okay to leave no matter what, like just for mm -hmm. your own decision, what would you say to those people to give them comfort that it's okay to leave without having to put themselves through harm or having to justify it through some experience? Okay, that's a really, really quick, great question. I will start with, by saying that I didn't leave because I was harmed. Mm -hmm. I left because other people I loved were being harmed. So mm. that's that's another part of my story that I feel a little bit lucky that people mm -hmm. can't point their finger at me and say, well, you just got hurt or you got your feelings hurt or you this mm -hmm. did, like, so that's just you feeling bitter mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. That didn't happen for me. That's not how it happened. Like I mm -hmm. started waking up to the harm that was done to other people, namely, mm my black friends, my queer friends, mm. my immigrant friends, um, different groups of people like that, that I saw the harm being done by the church that I was just kind of sliding in under that radar because none of those mm. things applied to me. So I wasn't getting hurt in any way. Mm. What I would say, yeah. the only thing that I, that I personally would say is being a woman and not mm. being allowed to yeah. do things mm. in the church. But by the time I left the church, I had already been a part of a couple churches mm -hmm. that welcomed women. Like I preached mm -hmm. at my church. And I love um, that. So it was not that, that wasn't it either. It wasn't uh -huh. a, a yeah. thing like that. So, um, so that's, that's my story. And so for people who, I, I do know a lot of people like me who they're not being harmed either, but they're, they're mm -hmm. waking up to the harm that's being done to other mm, people. There's a poem yeah. in my book too, about it's a, it's a conversation. I don't mention this friend's name, but it's a conversation we had um, mm -hmm. about her church, not being LGBTQ plus affirming and how mm. she was staying there. And I was kind of challenging her on that. And she said to me, well, I'm affirming and I'm welcoming. So anyone who comes to my church knows that, or I will tell them that. And yeah. so I just pushed back and I said, well, that's great, but you, your church isn't. So mm -hmm. if my loved one comes to the, to my church mm -hmm. and I'm welcoming yeah. them with open arms and I'm mm -hmm. going to treat them fairly and love them or whatever, but my church says, well, mm -hmm. you can't serve here and you can't be on the worship mm -hmm. team and you can't do this and you can't do mm -hmm. that. And we, you can't get married here, all that. Then I'm essentially choosing the church mm -hmm. over my loved one. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't do that. So I am always encouraging people to 
to leave if your church is harming people. Mm. And I've had people say to me, Marla, why not stay in the church and like try to change it from the Mm. inside? Yeah. (laughs) And I push back on that too, because on the one hand, I do have respect for people who are trying to do that. I do think that it is, um, (laughs) it's an uphill battle. I don't think that people are going to win. And if it's you fighting for these, groups of people against the whole the rest of your church mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you going to yeah. win that and I mm-hmm. have again another poem in my book where I talk about um to me it feels like crossing the picket line like it feels like if the church is harming people and I'm in the church then what am I, I have to take a stand. And for me personally, and I'm not going to tell other people that they have to do this, but I will encourage them (laughs) to really seriously think about it. I, I have to come outside of the church and challenge from outside to basically to show the people that I'm fighting for that I am on their side. And I don't personally know how to do that. When you stay in the church, that's harming them, how do you show that you are on their side? And I am saying, you are more important to me than staying in this church. Like I will give this up so that I can fight for yeah. you. So are mm-hmm. there good churches? Are there, I mean, sure, there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all, I mean, you know, you know, there's some really great churches. There's some mm-hmm. halfway great churches. There's some yeah. terrible churches. <laughs> yes. um, and. And for me personally, even though I will say that it it all started with other people being harmed, then I was eventually harmed and some other mm-hmm. things happened. And, and, and now I haven't been to church since May of 2017. Mm. And it would take a miracle of some kind to <laughs> get me back into church. Yeah. I just don't. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm so done with that. I'm so over that. And mm-hmm. I don't. The only thing I would say that I miss is the very, very easy community, like you alluded to earlier, where it's built in. You go and there it is. You have all these friends. You have people to meet Mm -hmm. in a small group. You have play dates for your kids. You have Mm -hmm. a singles ministry or you have whatever it is. It's right there and you didn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Um, And I moved back from Cambodia. We lived in Cambodia from 2015 to 2020, moved back. Um, to the States in March of 2020, I moved to South Carolina. I lived in Ohio for 39 years. So Mm -hmm. it's a pandemic. My husband leaves me unexpectedly and I'm in a new state. And so if you ask me, how many friends do you have Marla in Columbia, South Carolina? I would say um, like three, (laughs) Mm -hmm. three people who I actually met on the internet and then found out that we both lived Uh in the same town. So it's not even for me going out into the Uh into the world. I don't know where to meet people. I don't, Uh thankfully I'm an introvert and I have a lot of online friends and I have, so I'm not really worried about it. And I I Uh could go if I wanted to and meet a lot of people, but, um, so yeah, again, I forgot the question, but that's the only thing I miss about Mm -hmm. church is that community, but the the danger there, and that's how they keep you in it. Yeah. (laughs) They, they know that you don't want to give up your church Mm -hmm. quote unquote family. Like they don't, they know that the more involved you get, the more of a sacrifice it would be for you to leave. And so you get 
ensnared in there. And I, I get it. It was easier for me to leave because we left the whole country, went to Cambodia, went to a couple churches. Um, so leaving church was not, I wasn't leaving a church where I had mm -hmm. friends for 20, 30 years or whatever. That wasn't my experience. That might've been a lot harder. Um, but I would encourage people to, to first seek out other people. Um, even if it's just online at first, I have a couple of yeah. friends who have told me that they don't have, they don't know anybody else who's deconstructing or anybody else who's asking questions. And I've, I've been at this for over a decade now. So I have, I know a ton of people. And so I tell mm -hmm. them, these people are out here, read their books, follow them on social media, join Facebook groups, whatever you need mm -hmm. to do so that you know, you're not alone. Yeah. And it's not like that makes leaving your church easy, um, mm -hmm. but it can be easier if yeah. you if you know that and mm -hmm. i think if you work hard at it you can find you're not going to find the kind of community maybe in that you had in your church that's a weird <laughs> kind of thing that i think yeah. only happens in, in those kind of places but um you can find people who are mm -hmm. like-minded who care mm -hmm. who um mm -hmm. and who have the same background as you so meeting yeah. people like you andrew and all the people that i've met yeah. It, we share this. I mean, you have this instant connection with someone yes. who knows what it's like mm -hmm. to be a Christian cloud <laughs> or to be in a Christian cult or whatever, and yeah. then to get out. Like that is mm -hmm. a, an instant bond with people. Yeah. So I've met people in person after meeting them online, and we just already know that we're going to be friends because mm -hmm. we know about our shared history and that we're mm -hmm. moving forward in the same direction together, mm -hmm. which is really really huge mm. yes yes I, no i i love uh your answers because there's a lot to dig into um so i guess first what i want to dig into because i think my original question was um for people who want to leave the church but feel like they have mm -hmm. to go through these things and from your own story i love how you saw it harming other people and you said you know eventually it did harm you too but you cared enough about other people to stop subscribing to that toxic environment. And really, I yeah. guess what it sounds like you're kind of talking about and what I've noticed is um, like the social theory of intersectionality of how different identities have different experiences and even in the same social group and how, you know, our identities overlap with the social group and the interactions. And so, mm -hmm. for example, like queer people in the church you were in, they were having a different experience to someone who's not queer and, or a person of mm -hmm. color is having a different experience to people who are white and understanding those systemic issues. And it's something that gets a lot of pushback in America, this idea of mm -hmm. intersectionality, of not mm -hmm. wanting to acknowledge systemic issues and how there are privileged identities and there are identities or minorities that are discriminated against and how you know we want to work towards a system that promotes equality and it's interesting how you were talking about how people are like oh like why don't you just stay in this system and change it because that was something that someone said to me before I left the fundamentalist yeah, environment yeah. <laughs> and you know I, I didn't I didn't get into that discussion or argument with them because the system doesn't want to change 
Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's sad because a lot of these environments are built on this patriarchal, hierarchical kind of system that pr- prioritizes white straight males. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they don't want to give up that power. And like we were saying, there are good churches. There are good churches out there that don't have that. Like when I first experienced progressive Christianity, it was really shocking and strange to me to go to a church where women had leadership roles, that Mm. queer people could teach a Sunday school class. Uh, You know, women could preach in the pulpit. Women could be ushers. This Going to a church where there's actual equality was very a completely different experience for me because it was the opposite yeah, <laughs> of what I yeah. grew up in. <laughs> but it was incredible to me to at least see that there are churches out there who are progressing. And it's interesting because the ones that are more conservative, more evangelical, more fundamentalist would say that they're wrong, those churches are yeah. evil, they're going in the wrong yep. direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so so frustrating of like this wanting um to go back and I think I think the only way that the system is going to change is if people leave it yeah. <laughs> I, I agree I, yeah. <laughs> because in America we see the decline of people leaving religion of how you know there's so many people leaving religion and you know these people who have loved this using religion for political power are getting scared because Mm -hmm. they're losing you're losing control christian nationalism is you know it's been an issue in america i think honestly probably since the beginning but like it has just grown and grown and grown and has become (laughs) more obvious Sadly, especially in the last year, just people openly saying they're Christian nationalist and yep. they don't understand. They're like, I don't you know, get the big deal about that. But the thing is that this kind of attitude that comes with that environment, this fundamentalist or evangelical movement is that it prioritizes one type of person or one way of life mm-hmm. and it doesn't consider other people. Yeah. And you know, sadly, as people have left, of course, you still have the fundamentalists who are complaining and screaming about how, oh, like, y'all are so bad, y'all are so sinful, come back to our way. And, you know, there are some people, they're just going to keep screaming and not change. And they're just, their church will go away, which is probably for the best. But yeah, Mm -hmm. for me, like, in the most blunt way like religion needs a makeover in america yeah. <laughs> it's in desperate need of a makeover exactly <laughs> so it, much it really is and as you were talking i was jotting down all these notes of things that i wanted to say but then i got like 20 things here so <laughs> it's all good go for it i mean well it's just i could talk about this for hours and hours um but thinking about like well, first of all, you're talking about intersectionality, which is a, a term coined, I forget when, but Kimberly mm-hmm. Crenshaw, who is a black woman, she coined that term, mm-hmm. um, talking about being mm-hmm. being black, being female, being queer, um, mm-hmm. being like a trans black woman is like oh, the well. most mm-hmm. dangerous thing to be in this country. Uh-huh. So many, um, yeah, the intersections, like I said before, the mm-hmm. only the only 
place that I am ever below uh-huh. in the hierarchy is, is because I'm a woman. Like I don't mm-hmm. have any other intersection because I am mm-hmm. white. I used to be Christian. I'm straight, like cis. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's like the the intersectionality, like you said, when uh-huh. that hierarchy of the the white straight mm-hmm. male and you see this power mm-hmm. and they just want they want to keep <laughs> yeah all the power and then you see like i just listened to i don't, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast behind the bastards no um, i'm not mm-hmm. my friend dl mayfield i don't know if you know who she is but she's an author and she and her mm-hmm. husband have this podcast she does a lot of things but they have this podcast called the prophetic imagination station do you know um imagination station i think adventures in odyssey did you uh, ever listen to that yes, when you were growing up? I, okay. I, I listened and I, I watched the cartoons like too. McGee and me and all that. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah. they go through they they go through a lot of like DC talk, Jesus Freak, all this 80s Christian culture, and then they kind of dissect yeah. it, talk about it. Um, but they were talking about focus on the family on one of their prophetic imagination station um mm-hmm. podcast episodes and it had been right after the colorado springs like the shooting and the oh, in the gay no. bar and mm-hmm. they were talking about how that the focus on the family and the toxic culture there and how they're responsible for this because of the the mm-hmm. propaganda against queer people for decades and mm-hmm. so they they recommended this two episode um thing on behind the bastards about james dobson and mm-hmm. i'm almost at the end of episode two they're really long they're like an hour and 20 minutes but I know all of this stuff. I collect now from Goodwill, like James Dobson books like that used <laughs> to be on my shelves when I was a kid. At home. Yeah. Now I am keeping them for research. I collect whitewashed history. Like I want to mm. do, I have all these ideas in my head. So I've got these yeah. two shelves and I have this thing that says the bad place. I don't know if you've watched the show, the good place, but oh, it, um, yes. uh-huh. it says the bad place then it has like all of my books, including the books that I used to write uh-huh. <laughs> about um, being a Christian wife and mom. Um, but all just listening to them talk right now about James Dobson and all he did and how he, when he started this focus on the family thing, his whole life, his whole idea is we're going to make the family strong, blah, blah, blah. It all sounds great. Right. But then it's just all about fear when, um, Right before Barack Mm -hmm. Obama was elected in 2008, James Dobson sent out this letter, 9,000 word letter to Uh. his constituent people. And he pretended that he was a Christian coming from the future, from 2012, and telling everybody what 2012 was like because Barack Obama was elected in, in 2008. And it's like, you're not allowed, like all the doctors and nurses had to quit their jobs because if they refused to operate on queer people they lost their jobs all the teachers had to quit all it's like this fear-mongering like all the things Uh that are going to happen to your religious liberties or or whatever if you vote for barack obama um but the the whole thing is just fear so -hmm. that they will give you lots of money so that you can have a lot of power and then he gets really close with these republican presidents and then yeah. right now with this Christian nationalism, you've got these super duper Christian people. And then you've got people who don't care at all about uh-huh. God, but they've bonded together uh-huh. both in this GOP Republican Christian nationalism yes. power thing. And, oh, I mean, yeah, like I said, I could go on forever because the whole Donald Trump thing, when you try oh. to tell people, wait a minute, 
you always told me that <laughs> that sexual immorality wasn't good or that you shouldn't talk yeah. like this or you shouldn't mm -hmm. be like this and now you're praising this this yeah. man who uh -huh. does all these things this this does not make mm -hmm. sense to me and caring about people when you were saying how that's that's why i left because i love mm -hmm. people and cared about people yeah that my parents taught me that like that yeah. they i mean my dad was going around and picking up kids to, to take them to church they uh -huh. the neighbor kids who didn't have a great home situation were always in our house always eating our food always like soaking out the uh -huh. love of my mom and dad like and yet <laughs> when i started waking up to all these things it's again it's kind of like this disconnect um the one cool thing and i won't go all into like how my parents feel about me not yeah. wanting to be a christian but one of the things when it kind of really started blowing up because one of my sisters disowned me in 2018 oh. and i'm talking to my parents we came back from cambodia she refused to see me and then i was on a walk with my mom and she was just really struggling with all of this like here are mm -hmm. my two daughters that are yeah. opposite sides and what's going on. But she said something to me that has always stuck with me. And she said that she was reading her Bible that week. She opened up and I don't remember the verse, but there was something about love. And mm. she says that she heard God say to her, Marla is loving people like that. Uh -huh. Like, so I don't know what I believe about God talking to you and, <laughs> and all of that. But yeah. The idea that my mom does not agree with me on a lot of things that I'm doing, but she hears God tell her that somehow in the middle of this, I'm loving people. Mm -hmm. And that's my thing. I am not perfect. I've messed up a ton of yeah. times, but I really, really, really do love people. And again, mm -hmm. if you want to talk about receipts and I don't do it for the receipts, but I have them, <laughs> I have yeah. the receipts of. I love people a whole lot. Like I have so much empathy. And so my journey out of the church was because I started loving poor people, people who were unhoused, my Muslim mm -hmm. refugee neighbors, my yeah. gay friends, trans friends, black friends, all these people that I just loved so much. And I couldn't stay in a church mm. that said God was love, but thought it was perfectly yeah. fine not to love people that were different from you like when i came back in so in 2018 when we came back from cambodia for the summer like a couple months in the summer one of the first things i did when i got off the plane was stand in front of this um mosque with friends because these mm -hmm. these um christians quote-unquote christians well they were christians were protesting and holding up these signs and talking about how these muslims are going to hell and we were protecting them as they went into their place of worship. And it's like, what, <laughs> what kind of crap yeah. is, mm. is this? And, and when you're told that there's good and evil and that the evil is gay people and the evil is this and, and social justice and all the evils, <laughs> then you can just be cruel to yeah. anybody who you think is, is evil. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's sad. Yeah. It's infuriating. There's so much. And that's why like my first book was called Unbelieve and it was about my journey and all the things I started unbelieving. Mm -hmm. And then my idea for a second book was just to, to 
talk about all the really amazing things that have happened since, like the freedom, mm. moving on in other directions, loving people. Yeah. But I was, all this stuff kept nagging at me. Like I was still really angry, <laughs> still mm -hmm. really bitter. And so Jaded is the, the second book. And I wrote that as kind of a bridge because I had a lot of things to say. Mm. So it's, a, it's an angry book. It's also a loving <laughs> book. It's a hopeful yeah. book. Um, I cuss a lot in the book and I talk about that where my friend DL again, she says that, sorry for all the cussing, but I'm a recovering religious, mm -hmm. good religious girl. And it's part of my, it's my, yes. part of my healing. Uh -huh. And, um, and really that's the only sin, quote unquote sin that I have picked up since I left. <laughs> <laughs> since I left the church, I don't yeah. really have any uh -huh. um, desire to do many of the things that people would call sin and now these days i don't care like you're saying you don't care i don't care what the bible says is sin if sin to me is harming someone if, yes. if you're doing mm -hmm. something that harms someone that's sin um i don't care about people saying you do this and it's you're harming god <laughs> i think god is gonna be fine if i say <laughs> the f word or whatever um god can take care of themselves so but yeah, again, I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I should stop apologizing for going off no. track because I don't. Um, I'm not sorry. So <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I'm no. Not sorry. What else do you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect because I did want to bridge into your books, but you automatically did that, so I love it. Um, so, what other information do you want to tell people about your books? Well, um, what happened was, so I had been writing um, for a really long time. I self-published a book in 2001 about my student teaching experience in Okinawa, mm -hmm. Japan. And then I got um, four books published by traditional Christian publishers. So I got contracts, mm -hmm. I wrote these books. The sad story is that um, it was right, it was before I kind of got on the internet to so 2006, seven, eight, and nine. Mm. And three of the four ended up going out of print in just a mm. few years because I didn't, I mean, I wasn't really on social media. I didn't know that I had to yeah. tell people about these books. So, um, mm -hmm. but now I'm glad because they're about, um, the, the one is called From Blushing uh -huh. Bride to Wedded Wife. Is that all he thinks about? How to enjoy great sex with your husband? I'm not uh -huh. divorced. Um, changing your world one diaper at a time. Like, you know, cute Christian things. Um, so after that, I tried to get some other books published and I just kept getting rejected by publishers because they said, um, well, I had an agent and what she told me was that this, getting a book, having a book go out of print that quickly is a strike on your record. And so publishers are not, too keen on taking a chance on you if that has mm -hmm. happened to you and so I just did a string of self-published ebooks for a while I talked about um Cambodia I have one called what makes you fart which is another story altogether um <laughs> yeah. but in in 2020 when we got back from Cambodia and my husband got a job and I was no longer responsible for um supporting the family by myself another long story I decided I am definitely going to finally write this book about my mm. shifting faith that I had been trying mm -hmm. to write for about five years, but everything yeah. kept shifting so fast. I couldn't do it. And I couldn't figure out how to get it all in a book. Then he left and I had to suddenly support my family of five by myself and all of this. And somehow I still 
got that published in September. I self-published mm. it September of 2021. And what happened is it turned into a book of poetry instead mm. of the big long thing that I tried to write. And it turned out to be what I think is kind of brilliant because I don't say everything. I don't have to figure out everything because poetry doesn't work that way. So mm -hmm. I tell my story and I go through and you can see how it kind of morphs. Like there are things about being a woman in the church and then mm -hmm. it goes kind of into white supremacy and racism things that I was mm -hmm. learning. There's a, a letter to my queer friends apologizing for all of the years mm -hmm. that I thought it was a sin to be mm -hmm. queer. Um, and it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and so some of the poems are really short. Some of them are about a page long and mm -hmm. they like the response has been, has blown me away. Like all of the mm. people, um, who have just said to me, that is my story. I resonate mm. with that. I, I didn't know that people felt like that. And so then, like I mentioned, I decided to do jaded before I went into the like happy mm -hmm. book so it's going to be a trilogy um uh, yes kind of like the the middle uh -huh. and then you've got this really dark i mean the, the beginning the dark middle and then the happy ending we'll see it's mm. not, yeah <laughs> i don't plan on just putting a bow on something that can't have a bow put on it but uh -huh. um so unbelieve is poems on the journey to becoming a heretic and then jaded mm -hmm. the subtitle is a poet poetic reckoning with white evangelical christian indoctrination which is a mouthful mm -hmm. Um, but I needed to put all of those words in there. They were really important to me. And mm -hmm. one of the big things that I talk about in Jaded is I can't, I can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Christianity. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of Black friends who I have met, and they are saying to me, this Christianity that you're talking about, this toxic thing, mm -hmm. all of this, that's not my experience. Like, uh -huh. I... I never worshiped a God who would support Donald Trump. I never uh -huh. yeah. um, worshiped a God who would support slavery. I never, like, this mm -hmm. is different for me. So I start reading black womanist scholars mm -hmm. who are theologians who are reading this through a different lens. And so I just want to make it clear. This is what I'm throwing out. I am throwing out yeah. white <laughs> yes. evangelical Christian indoctrination. That's mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. Um, I'm still very interested, even though I don't want to go to church. I'm very interested in reading like Dr. Wilda Gaffney's book about womanist midrash and finding mm -hmm. out things like that the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the, the pronouns for the, the Holy Spirit should be feminine, but that uh -huh. was taken out of the Bible because nobody wanted that to go with that. Mm -hmm. And all of the different things that um, are that you can learn when you read the bible a different way so i haven't read yes. the bible in a long time but i'm reading mm -hmm. what other people have to say about the bible mm. so jaded goes through and this one is a little more structured so some of the i've got um scare tactics disability justice sex and purity patriarchy christian nation white supremacy colonization queerly beloved pro-life infidelity like all of these things mm -hmm. that i just go through and have poems for all of them and i am a huge reader like i read mm. like 300 books a year and i have a um an instagram account called white girl learning where i yeah. read i post every single day a book mm -hmm. by a black indigenous or other author of color mm -hmm. and so that is huge in the in the book both of them mm -hmm. so it started out when I was deconstructing my, um, my sources that I read were very, they were still very white. And I would mm -hmm. even say they were largely 
like you you mentioned white straight male like they mm-hmm. some of these people um pete ends rob bell yeah. brian mclaren um those those are the people that kind of got me started and mm-hmm. those guys are still fine but i have yeah. since moved on to like i said black womanist theologians mm-hmm. queer theologians um and not all i mean i don't read like probably one percent of what i read is theology i'm just branching out oh, mean. to everything yes. and uh-huh. finding god everywhere and it's just beautiful and exciting mm. and i all of the people that i was told were bad (laughs) (laughs) these people are the most awesome people ever like you Mm -hmm. were hiding these people from me you're telling Mm. me Mm. that these evil people with their gay agenda or these evil whatever i don't know and it's just um yeah it's it's freeing it's beautiful and so that's kind of my my main thing right now where i do push back and fight back Mm -hmm. Um, mostly in book form. Like you were saying, you don't engage these people online. Me neither. I'm not here to Mm -hmm. fight with one white Christian Mm -hmm. guy who's adamant that he's right. I'm not, I have no time or desire for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You can read my book if he really cares about that. So I do some of that pushback and exposing of toxic theology and stuff. But Mm -hmm. my main thing is the love and joy Mm -hmm. and freedom that there is Mm -hmm. everywhere else and just celebrating Mm. people like my dream is to live in a world where everyone is celebrated Mm -hmm. for who they are and they can flourish Mm -hmm. as they are Mm -hmm. and that we are so far from that like you'll see little Mm. steps that we take but like disability justice, for example, yeah. I didn't say a single word about um, disabilities in my first book. That was, and I have a poem where it's like, that was a, I read a book called The Hole in Our Gospel, where uh-huh. it's talking about how people in poverty and if we don't feed them, then our gospel has a hole in it. Well, disability justice was like a, a hole in my justice mm. journey. Like I didn't, I didn't see it. Like I did not, I, I was not aware of that because no one in my immediate circle is disabled and I wasn't reading um or following people on social media that were disabled and I started to in the last couple years and that was another like a whole Mm -hmm. other world realizing people that get when you talk about intersectionality like people Mm -hmm. who get left behind or um ignored or the book, My Body is Not a Prayer Request by Dr. Amy mm. Penny was really huge for me. And she talks about prayerful perpetrators, people yeah. that just want to lay their hands on her and tell her that God's going to take uh. away her disability and that she's inferior or broken or what, like yeah. just so many things. So mm. I've always been a learner, but yeah. I didn't realize that I was learning things in a tiny, teeny little box. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to get out of it because I thought that that only the truth was in my box and everything mm. else was, wasn't true. Yeah. So now I'm realizing I'm smart enough to figure out what's true and what's not myself. Mm-hmm. I can read yeah. these things for myself. And yes. so that's what I'm doing. And it's just really, it's really awesome. Mm, yeah I, I know exactly what you mean because 
growing up, I, you know, I was homeschooled my whole life and information mm-hmm. was greatly restricted. And yeah. even to the books that I could read or couldn't read. And I, logically, I didn't understand at the time. I'm like, why are they so threatened by me being exposed to different information? Because if this is the truth, then it should be able to stand up to scrutiny or different information. Yeah. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> yes, you would think. And, but yeah, it has been great. Like you said, expanding your mind, learning about other people's experiences mm-hmm. and getting out of your own conditioning that you've been subjected mm-hmm. to just from the culture or environment um, that you grew up in. And and I love how you're saying, yes, like, you know, we need to have a society where every social group, every social identity can flourish. And we have a long way to go yeah. for that. And it, it is so sad how toxic religion is used to discriminate and look down upon different social groups. Like, um, for example, you were talking about people who are disabled. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being told that I mean, hearing this, sadly, even in my college years, that people born with disabilities, you know, that, you know, they're a result of a sin curse world. That's why that mm-hmm. happens. So it's really mm-hmm. sad how mm-hmm. toxic religion is used to push ableism, really, and discrimination. Yeah. And it's just so, so sad and heartbreaking to see that happen. And, you know, and like you were saying earlier, like, it's not all of Christianity, there are other people who have experienced healthy religious environments. And um, and I think it's good that you are being specific with what you're calling out in your books, because again, realizing that, oh, people have different experiences of this and there are different versions of this and the way people do things. So let's be more specific. And that's what I'm trying to do more of as I'm online, trying to focus in on fundamentalist Christianity yeah. <laughs> and to under, so people who have a healthy experience with Christianity in general understand that. And, you know, and for me, what I say is like, you know, I'm all for healthy religion, but I'm definitely anti-toxic religion in calling it out and hoping that one day, you know, like I said, like the system's not really going to change until people are continuing to leave and go and make their own spaces like the deconstruction community for example and leaving that environment and realizing that these people do not hold the they're not the gatekeepers of god or spirituality or religion right there are other different people wouldn't want that there are other ways they can explore that and learn from other people which is so incredible um, but as we get towards the end of this interview, is there anything you would like to say? Um, what you just said about um, people's views, like that as long as they're not harming people, that's what that's what I've been saying lately. Mm-hmm. I don't care what religious views you hold. I really don't. Like I'm not here to take religion away from everybody. I'm not here to take comforting mm-hmm. beliefs away from yeah. everybody. Only, if they're harming people like i specifically have a friend who has told me marla i can't read your books right now um her husband has cancer that it's always like at the back of her mind or the front of her mind that he could die 
And she's like, I have to believe that there's a heaven. I have to believe that I'll see him again. And I was very gentle with her and, and I didn't try to explain everything. And I said, I totally get that. Like, don't worry, but you don't have to read my books. We can be friends and we don't have to talk about that or whatever. But what I, again, a poem in the book is talking about heaven and hell. And I say, I don't know about heaven and I'm not here to take that belief away from you. And I personally want an afterlife, damn it. Like I want a place, if one of my yeah. kids dies uh -huh. or I die, I want to know, yeah. like, I don't know if I can survive that knowing that I might not ever see them again. I want that. However, what is it that makes you cling to a, a belief in hell? Like, why do yeah. you need mm -hmm. to believe that millions of people are going to burn in eternal fire so that like mm -hmm. that makes your religion okay? And then people have told me, well, then if there's no hell, then what's the point of Jesus dying? And what's the point of missionaries? And what's the point? And I say, exactly. <laughs> what's yes. the point? Like uh -huh. I was a missionary. Do I believe in missionaries now? No, I don't believe that people need to in their, like leave Buddhism mm -hmm. or leave Islam yeah. and accept Jesus Christ as their savior so that they don't burn in hell. I don't believe that. Then what's the point? The point is, let's love everybody. Let's celebrate. <laughs> yes. Let's help them flourish. Are yeah. they poor? Do they not have any money? Are they sick? Are they being discriminated against? Let's make that right. We don't need hell. Another friend said to me, mm -hmm. what's to stop me from like cheating on my wife and doing all this if there's, if there's no sin or there's no this? And I said, if you knew to like today, there's no hell, there's no sin, it doesn't matter, do whatever the hell you want. Would you cheat on your wife? No, I wouldn't cheat on my wife. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't mm -hmm. need hell. If you need hell, the threat of mm -hmm. hell to keep you faithful in your marriage mm -hmm. or to keep you from robbing a bank or to keep you yeah. from killing somebody, then that's a problem. Like yeah, you can that is. actually mm -hmm. love people without an agenda. You yeah. can do the right thing without threat of hell all of this stuff. So that's, that's my thing. I'm not trying to get everybody to leave a church, everybody to give up on God, everybody to stop praying. I'm just saying, if there's a harmful belief, get rid of it. If you're mm -hmm. in a church and they have harmful beliefs, well, then you got to figure out what you're going to yeah. do because mm -hmm. you are aligning yourself with a group of people that have harmful beliefs. So yes. you can't just say, mm -hmm. Like my friend said, well, I don't have that belief. I just mm -hmm. go to this church that has that belief. Well, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> let's think about that for a minute. So that's, that's what mm -hmm. I would say is just love. I used to mock people, Democrats or whoever it was <laughs> about love. I'm like, love is just this word for you don't have any standards or morals or whatever. Well, screw that. Love yeah. is what it is for me. If something mm -hmm. is loving, great. If it's not, then let's not do it. Mm -hmm. And no, none of this, what people have told me, sometimes love feels like hate, Marla. Like I tell this, this gay person that they're going to go to yeah. hell if they're gay. So that's really the most loving thing I could do to them. No, mm. love doesn't feel like hate. It doesn't. There, it never, ever, 
feels like hate. Yeah. Love feels like love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do for the rest of my days. Mm. And I want to live a lot of them. I don't want to die. I don't, not because I'm scared of heaven or hell, but I just like it mm. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have a lot left that I want to do and a lot of love that I want to um. spread. And I've gotten good at that. Like that's something that I can say that I, um, I, I just love loving people and you can do it in all kinds of ways. And like, you're doing it with this podcast and uh, all the stuff that you are learning and unlearning and helping people with and just do what each little person can do. And yes. hopefully <laughs> it makes a dent. So yeah. So thank you so much for this fun conversation. I'm glad we got to laugh about serious things and <laughs> yes, <laughs> have some fun. And yeah. So thank you. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you again um, for coming on. And as we close, I guess there are a few things I guess I do want to say. But yeah, I think, yes, it is so great that you have this attitude of just loving people for loving people. Because mm -hmm. when you come out of that environment, you learn, you, you love, you, and this is in quotes, love people with an agenda. Yeah. Yep. for the purpose it's like to really it's just very manipulative i think how mm -hmm. yeah we we you know we we socialize or you know we meet these people to convert them and there's just and which to me like having that agenda that's not loving and yeah. i love how you dug into like how they twist the word love and say oh well mm. um they might go to hell so i'm really loving them by <laughs> being hateful to them so. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> yes and um you know I think it is so so great of just questioning what we were brought up in and these traditions and understanding how they affect ourselves and other people to really make um the world a better place and thank you to like for your own writing and your books, for helping people deconstruct and question those things. And I think one other thing I wanted to mention too was about um, the whole Jesus dying on the cross thing. I've heard that stupid argument so many times too, like, <laughs> why did he? And it's interesting because, you know, for those of us who deconstructed, we know how the Bible has been manipulated mm -hmm. and parts rewritten and books mm -hmm. left out. And yeah all this stuff that's a whole other episode but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but for me how I see it um for me personally you know I think it's clear that Jesus was at least a historical person questioning mm -hmm. the system <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. questioning doing what a lot of us are doing with deconstructing questioning these strict dogmatic rules and you know i generally like i like the message of jesus but a lot of christianity is not really about jesus it's about yeah. this christian nationalism this control this just white supremacy and all these things and it's like for me it's like that realization of like oh my gosh like i don't have to subscribe to this to be a good person mm -hmm. and to love yeah. people it's kind of like you outgrow it in a sense yeah yeah. And you're ready to move forward and realize that, oh my gosh, like I have this inside of me mm -hmm. already. And like, that's what I love about the work that you're doing. And as I hear your story and your deconstruction journey is that 
you realize, oh, wow, like this system is harming people, but I want to love and I can do it without this dogma, without this, like mm-hmm. it's already inside of me. And that's what I mm-hmm. love so much in the deconstruction community is just all these people coming together. And like you said, connecting, like having that instant connection of, oh, we've been mm-hmm. through something yeah. similar because yeah. <laughs> it can get discouraging to go out into society and have people who have not experienced you experienced and you just feel alone so having that you know the deconstruction community and meeting other survivors is just so so crucial yeah absolutely agree that's why I write is so Mm -hmm. that people feel like I want people to feel I'm not alone I want people Mm -hmm. to feel like a woman told me once Marley, you made me feel like somebody. I'm like, mm. yes, you are somebody. I didn't make you somebody. You already were. I'm uh, glad that I was able to, to affirm that in you. And that's just, that's, that's what I want. And it's, there's no greater feeling to be able to, and being able uh, to do that. And so, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you again for coming on. And for people listening, I will link her books in the description below and her website and go follow her on social media. And I'll link that too. But thank you again so much, Marla, for coming on the show. Thank you, Andrew. This is so much fun. Of course. And thank you for everyone listening. And this was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.